This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's Barrett, so she can make down the three. Yankees are out. The NBA Finals is officially over. The New York Giants are absolutely garbage. What is there for me to do? It's like we're back in March. It really is. (laughs) I don't have anything. I don't have anything anymore. The Lakers literally just won. And as much as I hate the Lakers... um, LeBron James in particular, um, you know, I do have to admit, and um, everybody should really admit, that it's a good story. You know, with everything that happened in January on the 26th, with Kobe losing his life, um, you know, what a way to wrap up the NBA season, doing it for him, you know, so I think that's nice, and I'm sure they're talking about that tonight, um, I'm watching the pregame, I guess celebration. But um yeah man, it's it's gonna be difficult for me these next couple of months. Um until the NBA revamps, you know, I think they're doing it late December. Um the earliest. So I've got nothing once again. We're we're down to zero. We're back where we were in March. You know, at the start of quarantine where I was saying um how you know you really don't realize how much time you invest in sports until you, you miss it, until you don't have it. So, round two. <laughs> oh man, I did. Um, I didn't catch the entire Lakers game, but uh, I saw the sec- some of the second half. I was kind of switching back and forth between that game and the Seattle Seahawks game while taking notes for tonight's podcast. At the same time, so I didn't see too much of the Lakers, but I think LeBron James is winning the Finals MVP. If I'm correct, I don't know. But it's fucking... It didn't seem like it was a great series. Um, It was very boring. Yeah, the Heat did take them to six, but when they were down three to one, you know, it wasn't like it was a close series. It, was t- it wasn't tight-knit the entire way. The Lakers had some cushion. Um, I, It was very boring to me. I, I didn't really get into it. Couldn't get into it. Maybe it was because I was watching a lot of the um, Yankees... And that was on during the same time, a lot of the time, so I didn't see much of it. But the parts I caught didn't seem to be too exciting. Um, And hey, the Lakers took it. Um, Speaking of football, I do have some bucks on the uh, Seattle Seahawks game tonight. You know, I have Wilson for over 350 passing yards, and I need the Seahawks to win as well. Probably a bad night to do so, being that it's... um, 
13-7 Vikings in the second half. And when I was watching the game, it looked like it was starting to rain. So that may hurt me in terms of getting those passing yards. Wonderful. Um, it was a decent payout too. But, fuck it. Yeah. Is AD getting the MVP? I don't know. I'm just watching. They're showing AD now. I don't know if they're doing the uh, awards yet. Man. Hey, Jimmy Butler um, gained a lot of my respect. He really did. He, he had a hell of a series. He had a hell of a postseason. Playing really good in the bubble. Even You know, he, he took his heat all the way here, and he should be proud of that. Um, but he did lose in the end. Um, I didn't look at his numbers. I don't know how he performed tonight in Game 6, but he's got the killer mentality, you know. And that Heat team is not going to go away. I don't think this was a one-hit wonder. This was no fluke. They've got a, a lot of uh, young talent. You know, they've got some solid shooting, you know, wings, um, and then some good uh, defensive players as well. They're very hungry. You know, they're very passionate. They play competitive basketball. I like that team. <laughs> Fuck. No sports again for me. I have UFC, but that's once a week. You know, I love watching MMA. Did you guys see that fucking kick the other uh, last night? As I'm recording, it's Sunday night, October 11th. But on the 10th, Saturday, that fucking kick, it was some dude. I don't know who it was. Um, Buckley Buckley a spinning kick to the fucking schnoz and he knocked the other guy out cold it was probably the greatest KO I've ever fucking seen and I'm so mad because that was the one card over the last few months that I decided not to watch I didn't know any of the names I thought it would be a boring card but of course the one time I miss it I see the fucking highlight, and it's one of the greater, if not the greatest, knockout in UFC history so far. I mean, fuck. It was beautiful. <laughs> but I tell you, you gotta have some loose screws to be able to fight MMA. That shit's scary. Some people don't even, don't even like looking, let alone watching that shit. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. I got nothing to talk about. Nothing else to talk about uh, before we get into the episode tonight. Um, so episode 164, a little Knicks offseason draft talk and you know talking about, I guess, some of the hirings and, and Tom Thibodeau. And, you know, fucking there's not much that's going on, obviously, right now. Um, teams at camp. Tibbs is um, doing camp in the New York bubble, I think. The bubble's in New York. The one the Knicks are in, I don't know. But fucking, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's going to be a few months before we get underway, so we still have a lot of things to uh, figure out. You know, if we're going to make any off-season acquisitions, if we're going to draft anybody, um, you know, with that number eight pick, anybody, uh, you know, that we haven't heard of before, because we know the Knicks can throw curveballs here and there. So we'll see, and we'll talk about, you know, a little bit of everything, I guess, tonight. Um, first, we're going to head to break, and I guess when we get back, we'll get started. All right. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com 
forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Yeah, that's fucking it. That is it for sports. <laughs> Gosh, this is going to suck, guys. This is going to be so bad not being able to watch a single fucking thing for the most part, for the most part. Um, Now, with the Knicks, there's, again, there's not much. Why is my screen, my screen's all fucked up. It's my, my ever since, uh, so the, the, here we go. Got it. The software I'm using is fucking laggy ever since I updated it. Supposed to be the opposite. What the fuck? Um, yeah, I mean, the Knicks don't have much going on, but, you know, the one thing I guess I want from this upcoming NBA draft, which, you know, I, I've heard so many things. I don't even remember. So much going on. I don't even remember when the official date for the draft is. It might be in December. Maybe November. I don't even know. Um, but the one thing I, I just want the Knicks to do is if they get their draft and it seems like a decent pick, it's one of the names that, you know, most Knicks fans like, or it's a name that isn't out of the blue. Can we not trade him away? <laughs> Can we not just be typical Knicks? Because we know the Knicks have, um, they have a reputation, you know, for trading away all their draft picks for a sack of potatoes, right? That That's why everybody laughs at them. Um, so can this time, this time, can we keep this? Can we fucking start a foundation here? Can we keep our draft picks, the good ones at least, and try to build something, try to improve them instead of just getting rid of them if they don't show promise right away? Um, you know, we have three selections this year. So we're in a very fortunate position, more fortunate than we've ever been. Now, I understand this year's draft is not that deep, but three is three. You know, you got two first round picks, one early, one late. Um, and then you got the second rounder. So, you know, you hope that with a new scouting department or, you know, some new guys coming in like Walt Perrin from Utah, who's developed a really good franchise over there uh, for, for two decades. Uh, and then you got some, you know, a new assistant coaching staff, uh, you know, new player development staff under uh, Tom Thibodeau with his new assistants. So you hope that that can help this new team, this, this Knicks team, um, you know, kind of, get where they need to be and, and select the right guys in the draft and help grow these players. Um, because Lord knows, you know, Hornacek, Fisdale, Miller, none of those guys really got the job done in terms of acquiring um, or, or reaching their goal, which is to develop these players properly. You know, the young core, Barrett, Robinson, and the guys around them, um, they didn't really grow properly. You know, you had Julius Randle out there spinning in the post and turning it over and taking unnecessary off-the-dribble jump shots. You had, you know, Bobby Portis clogging the... Well, Randle clogged the lane. You had Portis chucking up three-point shots from the top of the arc every time he got the ball or just doing that stupid hook shot. And on the other end, neither of those guys play good defense. You had... Taj Gibson getting starting minutes over your promising young center, one of the few good young players you have, not even getting starts because Taj Gibson got them. You had Alfred Payton out there playing starting point guard 
over a guy like Frank Nilakina, who's very controversial in New York, but you know, I think most of us should admit he should have at least been starting to see what he's got to to try and improve. You know, you can't just start a a veteran point guard who's already reached his ceiling in Peyton when you're trying to improve a young squad here. A lot of the times Peyton will just exclude other Knicks like RJ and he would just single you know single handedly take it upon himself to just pass between him and Randall a lot. And that was annoying to watch the other Knicks like RJ just stand outside the three point line waiting for their basketball. That was annoying. So you hope the Knicks, you know, have these things in mind when they're acquiring players this offseason, whether that be in the draft or in free agency. Um <laughs> you know, there's some talent out there too, um, in free agency at least. There's you know, you got a lot of veteran shooting out there. Um We've talked about Joe Harris in previous episodes. We've talked about Danilo Gallinari bringing the rooster back home. Um, we've talked about Davies Bertans. Um, some people don't love the Bertans idea because they feel like the Spurs let him go for a reason. You know, and, and having him go to Washington with creators around him may have um, made him look better than he actually is. But you know, my response to that is I'm pretty sure he was over 40% from three, even in San Antonio. You know, and that's what he's going to bring here, uh, come here to do. I understand he's not the most multi-dimensional player. He's pretty much just a catch-and-shoot guy from really deep who's got range. Um, but you know, the Knicks aren't in a position where they can be nitpicky. I wouldn't hate signing a guy who could shoot the ball because pretty sure he would immediately be their best shooter far and away. Um, so they need some veteran shooting to surround Barrett with. Right, because we know Barrett's not a shooter yet, and maybe he won't ever be. That's a big question mark in his game. But to get shooting, you know, not only helps the Knicks as a team, but it'll it'll space the floor for guys like Barrett to have more room to do his work. And we know he likes creating with the ball in his hands. He loves to play bully ball and attack the rim. Um, and, and this will help him play like that. You know, open up the paint. Um, he, he generated a lot of free throw attempts. Um, you know, we've seen flashes of him becoming a good finisher, being a good finisher. So I think that's a possibility if the Knicks can go out and acquire shooting. You know, get guys out there who can shoot at that four position and not just have Randall playing the four, hogging the paint and hogging the ball in the paint. I think that's very important. Very, very important. Um, you know, there's been Victor Oladipo talk. Not the biggest I'm not the biggest advocate for that. I don't know. Older, you know, he's not he's not old, but he's not young either. I think he's 29. Obviously now coming off the is he? Let me look at his age. Coming off the big injury though, that's also a concern. How old is Victor Oladipo? I don't know if he's 29. Uh Let's see. He's 28 and he will be 29 in May. So, yeah, he's 28 years old coming off a you know, a scary injury. Don't know how he's going to be. Don't know if I want him. Uh, it will probably take a lot to, and it's it might not be the most realistic trade. Um, there's been talk of you know a lot of people want CP3, veteran leader. You know I, I just I I'm not a big stopgap guy. I want to get to the point. You know I don't want to waste time with shortcuts that aren't even going to be here long term. I'm the kind of guy with this Knicks team. I just want guys to come in here and be here. And I want guys who are going to be part of this long-term plan. Now I understand it. 
I understand the want for Chris Paul. Um, you know, get the, get a good veteran in here who can um, maybe help guys like Frank um, and you know help RJ become a better shooter. Um, and you know, somebody with experience, somebody who's won games before. Um, and so maybe that's going to help. And, you know, that'll stabilize the point guard position and make the Knicks more competitive of a product to watch. But, yeah, that's about it. You know, the contract is very ugly. Um, and I just don't want a stopgap. Simple. But there's been talk of that. Um, Fred Van Vliet, which that's kind of grown on me more and more over these last couple of months. Originally, I was against it. But he is young. He is proven now as, you know, he's proven to be a pretty good point guard. You know, he, he's putting up all-star type numbers. Um, people were talking about trading for Bradley Beal. That's probably going to take either a Barrett or a Robinson and a lot more. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that, honestly. But another one that seems very unrealistic to me, if anything. Um... You know, the Julius Randle trade talks have been going on ever since this guy's been acquired. Uh, I don't know if we're going to waste too much time on that. But again, Randle's not a guy who's perfect for this team. That contract isn't great. Um, It's not as bad as people make it seem to be, but it's still not great. You know, I just don't like somebody like him on this team because of the way he plays. Um, Randle's a guy who should be a sixth man on a good team, not the number one option on a bad team like the Knicks, right? Because, you know, the issue is, again, you're trying to develop RJ. You're trying to develop Mitch. And when you have Randall taking 15 plus shots a night and, you know, hogging a lot of possessions with ball time, RJ's playing off the ball too much. He's not going to be able to create. And he becomes a spot-up guy, which he isn't. You know, you don't have Mitch getting the amount of lobs he should be getting. And the paint is clogged. And, you know, he's a poor shooter. It just doesn't mesh well with this unit. And I think using Randall more as an off-ball option, you know, somebody who rolls out of PNR, that would be wonderful. But I just don't see that with the Knicks because they don't have a, for one, they don't have a point guard. <laughs> you know, they don't have a point guard who could properly run that, um, you know, those sequences with somebody like Julius Randall. And um, I just don't see it working with Randall. You know, the defense is a joke too free throw shooting those those late game mishaps with the turnovers it's just a mess really with the way he's turned out so far yeah the numbers were good but those are you know very empty you know that's what you call empty production from fucking julius randall let's head to break and we'll get to more when we get back Hey guys, if you haven't yet, please go to my website and subscribe to the podcast. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. One more time, if you haven't gone to my website yet, just go there to subscribe to the podcast, nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect.
Um, fuck. What do we got now? So I'm going to check the uh, Seattle Seahawks game real quick because I need to see what's going on with everything. Yeah, it's nine. Oh, the Seahawks are winning. 21-19. Now, see, that's huge. Now, if, they, if I can get them to win, and I need to check. Let's check on Russell Wilson's passing yards. Hopefully, he can rack up 350-plus. That'd be huge. Get my uh, my boost. I mean, my, yeah, I have a, an odds boost on fucking DraftKings that I could uh, potentially win now. Let's see. Uh, how do I look? Box score. So they are winning, and Wilson has. Oh fuck me! He's fourteen out of fourteen, which is wonderful. But he only has 100, 116 yards. <laughs> well, that's not good. Yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to go off in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Damn it, man. That fucking sucks. How is he 14 for 14? Wow. Must have been a lot of little short passes. Well, whatever. Um, so this draft that's coming up, you know, there's been a lot of... I don't want to get too much into talking about the guys that the Knicks could potentially draft. Because we really... If you guys remember, during quarantine... We really we we went deep into, you know, the draft prospects and and picked apart a lot of them individually in each episode. Um, so I don't want to get too much into the scouting department again. But a couple of guys now that we know the Knicks are taking number eight, um, you know, bearing they trade up or down. You know, people are talking about a couple a couple guys I hear are Tyrese Halliburton and Devin Vassell. I don't remember how to say this guy's name. Vassal or Vassell? That's going to be rough, but... <laughs> we'll start with him. We'll start with Devin. Um, now, he's a he's an athletic 3 and D wing. You know, we talked about him on the podcast before. If you go a few months back, you'll be able to find that episode. Um, just go to my website for that. And, um... Touchdown Seahawks. Oh, he dropped the pass. Damn it. Um... But Devin is a an athletic three and D wing. He's a twenty year old kid from uh, Florida State, the Seminoles. Six seven, one hundred ninety four pounds. Got a six ten wingspan. Uh, again, a, a good player who plays both ends of the floor. I think that would be good with the Knicks. Um, you know, an NBA ready player. I think. You know, I think he's a guy who can be ready upon entering the league. You know, not going to be a star. The upside may not be tremendous. But he's going to be good out of the gate. He'll be an NBA product out of the gate because of his ability to hit the three and play defense with a lot of energy. Um, while Russell Wilson just overthrew another one. There's 26 seconds left in the in the third, and the Seahawks need to go up by a little more for me to be comfortable with this lead. Um, but you know, he's a solid option, a solid option for the Knicks at number eight. Uh, number eight. Again, fucking much needed shooting efficiency. You know, um, spread the floor for somebody like R.J. Barrett. That would help him. Um, and, and, you know, 
with Randall out there clogging the, the paint, this would also help spread out the floor. Um, and we just need players that want to play. You know, we don't seem to have many players that want to fucking make that grind. And Devin Vessel is somebody who fucking makes that grind. He's a high motor player. He's not going to lack, you know, slack off or lay back in the weeds. He will be aggressive and he will attack. Um, so I'm tired of projects. You know, I'm sure you guys are tired of projects. And I think an NBA ready product like this kid would be good. You know, players like him are usually NBA ready. Um, and he seems like a Thibodeau pick, right? Again, with the motor, the defense, it seems like somebody like, it seems that he's somebody um, Tom Thibodeau would like. And uh, the consensus actually is that he is into him. Um, you know, I saw a report the other day saying Tibbs and the Knicks were interested in drafting this kid. Um, again, not a ton of upside, but at, at eighth in the draft, um, where the class is not very deep to begin with, you know, it's tough to hate on anything at this point. Um, you know, he'd be a good replacement for Knox. Does Knox continue to flop like he's done so far? You know, slide him in there at the four. He can play the one to four. Um, you know, I know Knicks fans prefer um, Devin Vassell over uh, a lot of other options out there. You know, a lot of people like this kid over Halle Burton, uh, even over Kyra Lewis. Um, so he's an athletic 3 and D wing, elite defender, can play one-on-one ISO defense very well. I think he was 81st percentile uh, last year, this past season, in points per possession and isolation. Um, you know, he's got fucking good lateral quickness, so he's able to turn his hips well and slides very well when he's guarding in one-on-one scenarios. Um, again, a high motor, but also a high IQ. He's a smart player. He rotates well. He stunts and recovers. He He's good on the ball defending, but he's also good off the ball defending. A good help defender. Um, you know, a defensive playmaker with those quick hands and good reflexes and instincts, you know. Um, I think in college, per 40 minutes at FSU, he averaged two steals and 1.3 blocks per 40, so. Good numbers there, uh, very lengthy, and that length, that wingspan of 6'10", is going to help him disrupt the passing lanes. It's going to help him at the rim, being a shot-blocking threat, um, and again, just being a good help team defender. Um, and on the other side, he's an efficient three-point shooter, right? This is somebody who was 7 for 168 um, for FSU, which was 42%. Now, that's a low volume, but the efficiency is great. Um, he's got a high release point, so it's not easy to block. He's got solid footwork on the jumper. doesn't look awkward like it does with Halliburton, who we'll get to in a second. Um, and a good spot-up shooter, uh, a good shooter off pin downs, somebody who can catch and shoot very well. He was actually 87th percentile in jump shot and um, catch and shoot jump shots this past season in the half court. <clears throat> um, and, you know, off the dribble, he does need work, but... You know, one staggering number I found, I'm going to read off here, is he only had one field goal off the dribble as a freshman. One make off the dribble as a freshman. But in his sophomore year, that jumped all the way to 39 makes off the dribble. So he went from 1 to 39 um, in uh, buckets off the dribble. So that's a pretty big jump. That's a good indicator that he's improving in that area. Um with his shooting off the bounce. 
And again, that, that length, that athleticism provides him, you know, a lot of versatility. He can, you know, it allows him to defend multiple positions. So you're hoping that the NBA level fucking does he continue to grow. Somebody like Devin will be able to defend positions one to four, right? Which is what we were hoping Kevin Knox would be. But so far, he is far from somebody uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> um... Now, again, now we get to the negatives on his game. The ball handling, you know, kind of limits his scoring versatility. Um, most of his scoring is going to still come off the ball, again, in pin downs, off spot ups. Um, you know, not going to be your primary playmaker, right? You, you get somebody like him, he's not going to be your point guard of the future. He's just going to be a good player on the team. Does he pan out? Uh, the strength, you know, only 194 pounds, has to get some muscle in there to be effective at the NBA level. Um, and because of that, his finishing at the rim needs a lot of work. He can, you know, he can defend the guards in the smaller wings, but once he gets, you know, to the bigger forwards, you know, the small forwards, the power forwards, the more traditional ones, he's going to have trouble defending them um, and, and kind of keeping up with them in the post. Um, defensive aggressiveness, we, we mentioned he's a good playmaker, but sometimes he can gamble a little too much. But again, I, I would like taking this kid at number eight. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't be mad. You know, you get a guy who's NBA ready. He can hit shots. And on the other end, he can prevent shots from going in. That's what the Knicks need. Yeah, they need a lot. They need a lot of things right now. But those are two really important categories that I think Devin Vassell, um, excels in. And again, I apologize if I'm saying this kid's name wrong. Um, it's been a while since I've, uh, Watched a scouting report of him, you know, a couple months ago was the last time we dove into him. So I apologize, but, um, let's get to Tyrese Halliburton as soon as we get back from break. Be right back. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to NY sports talk RC wordpress.com forward slash connect once again in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect Tyrese Halliburton um, interesting player right he is he's kind of similar to um a little similar to Devin Vassell in a way where fucking he's, you know, 6'5", 175 pounds and a six seven and a half wingspan. So he's got some length, got some size and length like, like he does. But Halliburton is more of a glue guy, point guard, more of a guy who does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I, I like him. He's 20 years old as well. He's very young, so he's... But here's the thing. I also think he's a safe pick that will be ready right away. I don't think he's going to take a ton of time to get used to the NBA. I think he'll be impactful upon impact as well, upon uh, entrance into the league as well. I don't think he's going to take plenty of time. I think he'll be somebody who can do it right away. Um, good passer. That's one of the things a lot of people like about him, he's a very unselfish passer. Um, he operates very well in pick and roll. Obviously, that would work really well um, when you're thinking about him and Mitchell Robinson potentially as a pair, right? You pair those two guys together on the floor, that's immediately an, an, imp 
an improvement over when you have, you know, fucking other guys on the floor with Mitch, like a Bobby Portis or a Randall or Knox. You know, you have Hallie Burton, who's very good as a passer and, and um, even better than, you know, Peyton. Uh, but you have Hallie Burton, I think he would work well with Mitch in a pick-and-roll scenario. And Mitch is somebody who obviously rim runs a ton. He's a very, uh, if he's a very, uh, he rolls at a high volume. Very effective on the roll. Um, Hallie Burton's also a good transition player. He excels in transition, especially as a passer. His head is always up when he's dribbling. Um, and he always finds the open man that way. So he's efficient overall as a passer. He averaged 5.4 assists per 40 minutes overall in his freshman and sophomore season. And that was versus just 1.8 turnovers per 40 minutes. So very clean, very efficient numbers there um, as a passer. Um, now he can shoot the ball too. He can pass and he can shoot. Passing and shooting are huge from a you know from a point guard um, standpoint. He was 101 for 237 in college. That is 43% from deep. Um, and it's in particular where he thrives is the catch and shoot. He was ranked in the 97th percentile in terms of scoring off catch and shoot. Uh, he's also got a good in between game, good mid range J, a good floater. Um, and he's just, again, another player like, uh, Vassell where he can, you know, he's very versatile with that length, with that athleticism, you know, it's going to allow him to defend multiple positions. Does he continue to grow? Um, it'll also help his finishing ability, which is, you know, going to be, uh, going to be an impact. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Going to be an importance in the league. Defense. He is a good defender. He's got a high motor just like the other kid. Um, he's got, again, the wingspan to be active in the passing lanes. He's got good instincts as well. A good help defender. Um, and then we get to the negatives, right? And they're kind of similar, but I think with Hallie Burton, it's especially concerning to me when you look at his awkward-looking jump shot and you know, on top of that, poor handles. That's a major concern to me, right? How is he going to score when he's not catching and shooting? And on the Knicks, on a Knicks squad, when you don't have that distributor, you know, to set him up in perfect spots consistently, how is he going to really be successful on that on that team, right? He would thrive in, in you know places like Golden State. Um, you know, I don't think he would thrive on the Knicks. That's why I'm kind of leaning towards Devin Vassell because I don't fucking think. Hallie Burton would be great here with no creator around him. He he would be the creator, but he can't create for himself. I mean, technically he can't, but he can't catch and shoot his own fucking pass. You know, somebody's gonna have to create for him because he's not a great shooter off the dribble. He's not. He's not a great shooter off the dribble. He's got poor handles, right? He's not gonna be your primary creator. Nor your secondary creator because he's not a guy who dribbles well. He, he can't. He's really struggled scoring off the bounce in isolation. He was 28% in isolation scoring um, from the field. 28% field goal percentage this past season. So he's not, you know, so you take his awkward looking jump shot and his inability to really, you know, handle the ball in the above average rate. That's concerning. How else is this guy going to score? Nobody's going to create for him. He's a catch and shoot player when he scores. It could really get ugly, you know. 
So he's somebody I would take if the Knicks already had a distributor, but they don't. So that's my biggest knock there. That's my biggest knock. And then you have the frame, only 175 pounds, a buck soaking wet, you know. Um, so he can defend the guards and wings, but like Devin Vassell, the fucking bigger forwards are going to give him a lot of trouble. Um, so my overall outlook on this kid is, again, he's a solid option at number eight, but not somebody I would love. Um, brings shooting efficiency, helps RJ, you know, need, we need guys like that who's going to play, who are going to play with energy on the defensive end and, and shoot the ball and be glue guys. I get it. He's not a project. You know, if he pans out, he'll probably not be a project, which is fucking great. Um, but... I just don't love that idea. The pedestrian handles and the unorthodox jump shot, just you know, as a point guard, very yikes. You know, people have compared him to Kevin Martin, you know, Kmart, who averaged 17 points in a lengthy career and shot 38 percent from downtown. I get it. You know, there's always that chance that he could be one of them, but how many? It doesn't always mean it's going to happen for the next guy. Um, and I just feel like when there's another option who can do both, why not take that guy? You know, that guy. Um, but there are other fucking guys besides these two that the Knicks could take. You know, and who's to say these two even fall to eight? They could be taken earlier, you know? And who's to say on the flip side, Cole Anthony or a Killian Hayes don't drop to eight? You know, that could happen too. Maybe we'll discuss those guys a little more. Um, but I had discussed all these guys before in previous episodes. Again, I'm not, this is nothing new. Um, if you're a religious listener to the podcast, which I'm sure nobody is, but, um, yeah, those are the two guys we discussed, but man, I just hope the Knicks are a better product this next season. And I hope that they can not only find a way to be semi competitive, but more importantly, get these young players to start improving and not staying neutral and give shot attempts to the guys who need their shot attempts, right? So let's head to one more commercial break, one more little break. And as soon as we get back, we will get to the NYY NYK question of the day. All right, fellas. So really quick, I just want to remind you that if you haven't subscribed to my podcast on the many different platforms that I'm on, you can do so right now. And all you got to do to do that is go to my website. Just go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast and listen to the podcast or watch it on the many platforms we have, go to my website at nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Alright, so last time on the show, in episode 163, I asked you guys, um, who made the last out? Who made the final out um, for the Yankees in the 2017 postseason? Who made the final out for the Yankees in the 2017 postseason? The answer to that question is Greg Bird, who flied out to center, I believe, um, against Houston. Um, (laughs) 
that was the answer to 163. Um, now, episode 164 for our NYY NYK question of the day. Obviously, now a Knicks question, being that it's a Knicks show tonight. Uh, so tonight's question in episode 164, who led the 2019-20 Knicks in steals per game? Simple. Who led the 2019-20 Knicks? So this past season, who led the Knicks in steals per game? Message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Not on Twitter much nowadays, so um, preferably Facebook or Instagram. Just DM me. Or you can comment the answer um, once I publish the podcast in the comment section. Uh, guys, thanks so much. This is Rob Carbone. This is your host, Rob Carbone, uh, with episode 164 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, so tune into the podcast. You know, we'll be doing episodes sporadically, I guess, for the meantime. Not much is going to be happening for the next couple of months, I guess, right? Being that there's no more baseball, no more Yankees, um, being that there is no more basketball, and being that the Giants are absolutely awful, we don't cover them anyways, but, so I'm going to be doing nothing but (laughs) watching UFC once a week. So the podcast, the blog, won't be too busy over these next couple of months, I'll try to have episodes out. You know, as much as I can, I don't want to make them repetitive or boring with not much going on. You know, but we are going to slowly transition to the Knicks, right? So, over these next couple of months, if I do put out episodes, um, they're going to be about the New York Knicks, most likely, because that's where we're kind of shifting now, as we do at the end of every season um, and the start of the next. So, guys, again, thank you for tuning into the podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go subscribe to the podcast right now. Go to my website. Um, nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect um, and then subscribe there that will uh, take you to a fucking page that displays all of my information the many platforms of the podcast shit the fucking Vikings are winning again that's good damn it (laughs) the many platforms of the podcast as well as the three social media sites that I host um, that I post the podcast on Um, Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's all I've got for this one. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And I will see you when I see you. All right. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.